We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Nice steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker. High school quarterback is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partners in crime today, Michael Stewart, former Los Angeles Rams offensive back, and Tommy Avant. And we are here to preview the Rams, Bengals. It's a little bit late because of the Monday night game, but we're still here and we got a lot to talk about. I guess first things first, guys. Mike, how you doing? I am doing outstanding, my friends. And family in the Ramily world. How about you guys? Good morning. Good, good morning. This is the first time we've done a show, at least that I've been on, that's been in the morning instead of yeah. the evening when I'm a grumpy butt. I am a morning person, so this is perfect for me. Good morning, gentlemen. But we don't get used to them. This is <laughs> I know. But I'm terrible them. in the evening, man. It's so, at the end of the day, like sometimes I listen back to the show and I'm like, man, I sound so depressed. <laughs> I'm just so from like 2 p.m. on, I'm just done. So this is fun for me. Thanks, dude. Well, don't mention it, I guess. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a, a big one here. The Rams called out that, that loss last weekend, 30-23. Uh, uh, you know, I get asked this real quick. What do you think about Sean McVay making sure he covers the spread? I know a lot, there's a lot. A bit more controversy probably than there should be online, but what'd you think about that, Mike? Well, it's so interesting. I, you know, it's funny. I've never really gotten into or understand covering the spreads and so on and so forth. But yeah, I saw a lot of backlash on it in Vegas and all the other stuff. But 
Hey, you know, I, I think he just was trying to, you know, make sure his field goal kicker gets some practice in. Oh, I see it a little differently. I know exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Sean McVay looked up in the crowd and saw all those 49er fans year after year after year. And this game apparently was the worst ever. From the television perspective, it looked like it was about 80-20, and I'm being generous. Um, so what he did and the smirk on his face told me everything. He's like, well, if we can't win this game, I'm going to make sure 49er fans lose a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, you you could see the smirk on his face, like, and, and what they were doing with four seconds left on the game. Uh, you can't win the game to kick a field goal. You can't do anything to win the game, and just the whole way they were doing that drive, I was like, uh, yeah, this they're not leaving enough time on the clock. I just think that they're they're mailing it in, and that field goal was a big, you know what, to the other team fans anyway <laughs> all the gamblers i was laughing so hard because i knew exactly what he was doing sinister sinister, sinister. <laughs> i just i i kind of view both ways i think they you know if you can close a gap on the niners in any kind of way if you leave with something positive that's a good thing but on the same token yeah there's no way around the fact that you specifically made the move for that field goal and quite frankly this is nothing on the 49ers we, we have our fields with the 49ers this is not nothing about them their fans, though, there are very few cool 49er fans. There are very few who aren't, you know, behaved in a kind way towards anybody. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but maybe there's some bias there. But my, intera- my interaction with 49ers fans has almost never been positive. The few we've had to preview, like the podcasters, they're fine. But if we're talking about actual fans, the ones that come down to L.A. especially, I have never had a positive interaction with any of them. It's almost no, always we gotta, we gotta, so we have to. Yeah, we got to stop with the narrative. Come down to L.A. They're already here. They live you know here. I mean. The ones that you live up I north, mean. I know. But I'm. I just want to clarify this. This city has been bombarded with bandwagon 49er fans since Joe Montana. You know, everyone wants to talk about, oh, we didn't have a team for 20 years, dude. Stop. I've lived here for 45 years. It's the only city. I've ever lived in. So I can speak on this 100%. When I say that when I was a kid with the Rams and the Raiders both playing, one in Orange County and one in Los Angeles, not only was our city flooded with 49er fans, it was flooded with any team that had a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I went to Bellflower High in Los Angeles County, and there was nothing but Dolphins jerseys. Dan Marino, Broncos jerseys, John Elway, uh, Patriots jerseys, Drew Bledsoe. I'm telling you, teams that were going to the playoffs that were on TV before the blackout rule got washed out, thankfully it's gone. It created this whole bandwagon generational fans that I'm going to high school with all these kids and I'm getting laughed at for wearing Rams gear. Laughed at. Because the Rams were hot garbage. But they were our team. So if you wore Raiders or Rams, you were rooting geographically. You were rooting for the teams that were here. And there just wasn't a lot of it even back then. So this whole transplant conversation, this whole traveling, well, no, 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 no. They've always been here since Joe Montana. Before Joe Montana, 49er fans didn't exist. Okay, in the 70s, they were trash. All right? I mean, I've heard the stories. I was born in 78, so I only know. 
the 49ers dynasty and then you know from here on out so yeah it's you know they've you, all they've always been here you and i are roughly the same age and i remember being in high school and i had i had a marino jersey i had a barry sanders jersey i had a michael irvin jersey and there i you wore go. them but i still wore my rams jersey too you know yeah, uh, that was, was an age it, it was when, when jerseys were first out you know they didn't used to sell a whole lot of jerseys that before that, and then all of a sudden, in the early 90s, jerseys became like the craze. So are you so sure that it's just a bunch of teenagers who like a player and we got the jersey, or is it actually someone you know, cheering for a team? Which one is it, or both? Well, it I got to go with I got to go with the whole, they just picked it because I was born in 65. And so that's why I have so much disdain for the Niners. We used to wear them out. They were bottom feeders. So to then get on a team, I'm like, yeah, we're going to keep wearing you guys out. Then it was the era. I'll just call it that. But yeah, when we were younger, hey, man, it was all about Roman Gabriel, Brody, Vince Ferragamo. You know, so and then the Niners was like, Man, with the nasty uniforms, man, raggedy candlestick park, man, we killed him, dude. But then they just hit their stride, and then it seems like they have our number again these last couple of years. I mean, I will, I'll say this too, you know, watching that game on Monday, watching pretty much any home game against the Niners and some other teams as well, where these fans come in and overtake their stadium, I understand the economics of it. But it's still massively embarrassing, especially when my own my own students who are in here in Ohio are asking, how can that be? And you have to go through this explanation of the whole the whole process. And you're like, well, there are instant replies. But wait, there's like 18 million people in the L.A. metro area. And you mean you can't fill a stadium? It's a bit more than that. I mean, no, there's about five variables that that caused these issues because it wasn't as bad at the Coliseum because there was no SSLs and the SSLs at SoFi for a lot of people, there's a lot of families out there that have a husband and a wife, three or more kids. They can't afford to buy five to seven seats. You know, they just can't do it. So a lot of the, the Ram fans here, what they'll do is they'll go to a handful of games um, during the year where they play a opponent that the fans don't travel well, like the Cardinals or Jags or something like that. And they know they can get seven tickets at a decent price, right? You also have a huge portion of the stadium that the SSLs are owned by corporations and those corporations comp those tickets to their vendors. Like fans don't think about this kind of stuff because they don't think like businessmen. They just think like the fans are taking over the stadium, but you have to figure out why. I mean, you go ahead and look at, and then you have a huge portion of the SSLs that are owned by Ticketmaster, StubHub. I don't care what the NFL says. They, they, they can lie through their teeth all they want. The rich people bought most of the SSLs. I would say about 35% of the stadium's SSLs are owned by Ram fans that go to the games every week at the most. And then those, some of those, a portion of those fans will sell to the 49er fans or the, the, the Steelers or the Eagles or, anyone that travels well to make a profit to bring down their overall bill every year for their tickets. People here don't care about football. Like in some other places where they're not, they're like, I don't care if the 49ers take over my stadium. I'll watch it on TV this week. I don't want to deal with those knuckleheads. There's a, there's a million reasons why it happens, but a lot of it online is 
the fans attacking each other. Ram fans that are diehard season ticket holders that go to every game are taking pictures in the stadium and screaming on Twitter at the other Rams fans saying it's everyone else's fault. And it's like, listen, man, that's not how (laughs) that's not how this works. It's great that you can afford SSLs and go to the game every week and tailgate and do whatever. But not everybody's in those situations. And even before, you know, I used to get mad, but the Rams have been here for quite a few years now. What is this season seven or eight now? And I've kind of backed off on that. And I'm like looking at it as a businessman. How is why is this stadium being taken over? And I've pretty much figured it out. And there's no way that the 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 owners of SoFi, Stan Kroenke, whoever is going to ever release the numbers on who owns what. Because what's going to happen is if anyone ever sees that, fans are going to be like, this is why we hate you. This is why we hate the NFL, because you guys are greedy. You only care about the bottom line. You don't care about who sits in the stadium. You only care that it's full. You think the NFL cares or anyone else cares that they see a stadium full of the opposing fans? They don't care. They only care that it's full. The fans are the only ones who care about this stuff, guys. And we got to stop attacking each other over, in my opinion. What would you say to those who say, well, wait, my PSL, my season, my PSLs are the same price as the PSLs in Cleveland or in Pittsburgh. They're not that different. So why is it, why is it so hard for Rams fans? What do you say? What do you say when you hear that? I'm going to say this. Let me jump in. Uh, Tommy, you are so right on, my man. If you guys are listening out there, my man, Tommy is, is laying down truth. Again, my first year, 87. Again, I grew up a Ram fans, Coliseum era, okay? Domination, you know, fans. But even before I was born, my parents lived literally a block or two from the Coliseum in the neighborhood. So uh, they were new, and that's kind of probably how I became a Ram fan. Fast forward to 87, my rookie year, Anaheim now. That's where the shift started swinging right there. Once they moved to Anaheim, they got backlash from the original fans that were at the Coliseum, but because they weren't so much the affluent, ooh, we got to, you know, get out of the neighborhoods kind of going down or whatever the the mentality was, we're going to go to Orange County. When I got out there, and this is where Tommy has helped me and just cleared this up in my mind, I'm like, well, where do all these 49er fans, how come they're in here yelling louder? But that's what would be the case. There had to be already here. They're not jumping on planes coming down here. So they're already here. Fast forward to now at SoFi, ding, 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 ding. It's all about the money. I had a good friend who had season tickets. Literally, if you could double or triple your price to sell to a 49er fan or whoever, a New England Patriot fan, and you could cover the cost of your season tickets. That's what this person did. He's like, man, I'm just selling my tickets. I, I can get, this will take care of a huge portion of it for the year. When they had the bad year last year, he's like, man, I'm selling my tickets because, man, you know, now I'm losing money. Uh, and so that's, in my opinion, he's absolutely right in the sense of, these teams don't really care. It's all about the bottom dollar. For your point, Derek, your teams like that, they're localized. There's no other real teams. You don't, Cleveland, they don't have a team that they're competing against. Who are they competing against? So it's it's 
inbred in those areas that they have fans that are going to be there. Same with Miami. They don't have to compete against someone. I mean, Jacksonville, they're they're up the road. Tampa's up the road. But Miami, it's true Dolphin fans from your elementary schools that I spoke in through throughout the whole college. So that's my take on it. I mean, I'm not disagreeing, guys. I'm just asking that question. That was a question I saw. I saw someone actually reply that to me when I mentioned the pricing and that that fans were priced out, and they're like, "Well, prices are sitting across the league, pretty much." Well, they're not, and there's also there are other things too. You know, Tommy, I remember being there not too long ago with you, and the traffic and everything else involved was insane. The the price for tailgating is insane. Everything there was insane in terms of all the little other things that go wrong. Whereas for years and years and years. What do Rams fans do when when they were in St. Louis? They they hung out at the bars and had a good time. I mean, that's part of the culture now, and I, I don't think that uh, fans should be judged based off of, you know, a so, solely judged based off of how many people. Were. I wish more people were there. I wish more people were able to support their team there. But it just seems like, in the end, the corporate nature of the NFL today, and especially when it comes to the Rams being in the number two media market in the country, I think it's kind of gotten in the way, and that to me is problematic in, in so many ways. And it's supply and demand, too. If you look at the Monday night football um, two years ago during our Super Bowl run, we played in the playoffs on Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals. Nobody cares about the Arizona Cardinals. It's a playoffs. And the Ram fans covered that stadium 95% that day, okay, because it was the Cardinals. Even though it was a playoff game, the Ram fans were able to go on and spend the money and be able to afford those playoff prices versus the NFC Championship, which is a much higher stakes game, and against your number one rival in the NFL, the the 49ers. What happened in that game is the same thing that happens during the regular season, is that Ticketmaster and, and StubHub, whoever owns those SSLs, and the, the lower bowl, who, the corporations, they... They'll put those tickets online and they'll just jack the prices up and the 49er fans will go broke buying them when the Ram fans are more frugal. They're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'll watch it on TV. That's the different mentality between the two fan bases. And and the 49er fans can say, well, we care more about our team than you do. Fine. I guess the Ram fans care more about their wallets than you do. Whatever, dude. Tomato, tomato. Uh, care about your wallets, but you know, again, to go back to the culture of it for years and years and years, Rams and fans in LA, what they do, they went, they went out to the sports bar and hung out there. They, they can go do that anytime. They can, and quite frankly, watching a game on TV, if you're, if you want to be real, you're going to get, you're going to get more out of watching a game on TV football wise than you are being in the crowd. The crowd, the experience is great, but I mean, there's dude, a reason dude, why. When I'm there, I don't pay attention to the game hardly. I'm so smashed well. from the tailgate. <laughs> So if he was like, "Hey, did you see that?" Now, no, it's like for me, I'm I can always vouch been a for that. I sat next to you. I know. Yeah, bro, you know, you got That's to see fun. it in person. I <laughs> uh, listen. I grew up in the music industry. I've been a musician since I was a little kid. I am a wild animal around. The bigger the crowd, the more wild I get. Whether it's at a concert, performing live for somebody, um, at a at a sporting event, I'm wild, dude. That's just how I've always been. I grew up in the entertainment industry. So when I'm going to a public event and there's alcohol, I'm going to drink. And I don't I don't drink hardly ever. I haven't had a drink since probably the last time I went to a football game. But when I drink, it's 20 beers or zero. 
I'm not going to have a beer after work. No, that's a waste of time. You know, I'm just not that kind of guy. It's all or nothing with me. So, yeah, it's I don't pay attention to the game when I'm when it's TV at home. I don't drink. I watch the game. I analyze it. It's just a different environment, you know, for me anyway. <laughs> well, it's so interesting. I mean, when you do just a little background check uh, and this is where Tommy is really hitting home. Uh, regarding Stan Kroenke. He's originally from, you know, Columbia, Missouri. So therein lies a tie to, hmm, he started a development, a real estate development company, you know, uh, after marrying Ann Walton, Walmart. So at the core of who Kroenke is, businessman, I open shopping centers and things like that. They always talk about now at SoFi, the experience. So the experience is what? It's everything else. It's not so much what's on the field. And, you know, my time's going to the stadium and even sitting in the boxes is like, okay, man, these boxes are like way up here. So you end up watching the game from the monitors in the box because it's like, yeah, man, trying to look down way down there. But they're selling those bad boys. People do a lot of business in those. But for Stan Kroenke, yeah, is he worried about Ram fans in the stadium? Eh, Not really. And I would say the whole St. Louis gig, if you go back to uh, owner of the Rams before Georgia Franieri, you know, he was more of a L.A. guy. And she wasn't necessarily from here. Vegas got inherited the team again, moved the team to Anaheim, then the St. Louis, St. Louis. You got to try to convert the old Cardinal fans. If people remember, they were out there back then uh, to then become Rams only to leave there for uh, greener pastures, if you will, from a financial standpoint. So, yeah, when it comes down to this money and the almighty dollar, hey, man, put 49er fans, Bronco fans, put anybody in here. You know, we, we just uh, go keep this turnstile of money coming. Yeah, those 49er fans are buying one game a year. Okay, the ones that are coming to SoFi, they're not season ticket holders at Levi. Maybe a, a, a small percentage of them are. but. Let's be honest, the 49er fans are saving up their pennies all year long, the ones that live here and in Southern California, and they're buying that one game for whether it's 500 bucks or 1000 bucks, They're going to be there because they want to continue this narrative, right? They think it's funny, and I'm, I, I don't really care. The best thing ever was to have, you know, half of them in the NFC Championship in the stadium, and I was at that game. And we won, and my, <laughs> I wanted more 49er fans to be there so I could usher more of them out of the stadium as they were <laughs> crying on the dude. It was the great. I, I went over and I stood next to the escalator and I was just hammering <laughs> them all on their way out, dude. All of us were doing it was hilarious. I wish there was more there. You know, that's take over my stadium all you want because when we get a w on you in it whoa, that walk of shame is massive. Yeah, bro. the problem is we're not getting w's right now. I mean, let's be real. No, we're not just, getting those Ws. No, no, we just coming, got them though. in the game that can. I mean, that matters. We, that's all that yeah. matters. We got them when it meant when it counted. You know. That said, that said, just just to kind of you know close the door on that game. Um, a, a week later, I'm still happy. The positive things we that we talked about afterwards. Um, I'm still very pleased with the fact that that team is is moving forward in a kind of a weird way. It almost feels like they're clo- like they're closing the gap between them even though there's less talent now than there was a year ago and two years ago. So I'm, I'm very happy that I think that win 
is coming soon rather sooner rather than later. Probably maybe not this year because I think that team that Niner team is very good, but you know, it's coming and I'm I'm on board with that. Any closing thoughts before we get to the Bengals? Well, my closing thought is that on these Niner situation, to me, it's just still a mental thing at this point. You know, you kind of go and go, oh, you know, they got this guy, that guy. Uh, and it just seems like to be a little bit mental because, you know, they show they can move the ball. They show they can do some things. You know, uh, I think we have a decent front. Uh and the score is 30 to 23. So, I mean, we scored late, but, you know, the game was really close. And I mean, going into that fourth quarter to a degree, you know, a couple stops here, there. So I, I think some of it is a little bit mental at this point. Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. For me, quick and simple, um, they look. The team this year looks much better than anyone anticipated. I know a lot of fans were out there saying we were going to win 10 games, but I think that they were being more hopeful than realistic. Um, They look a lot better, and it's the draft picks that are stepping up over the last three years, especially the last two. Um, The 49ers were rattled. They weren't ready for this roster. They weren't ready for our new, you know, um, game plans and on offense and defense. We, We did a lot of things different than what they're used to. And they were, I mean, you guys saw the penalties the Niners were getting because they were getting angry. And that's all you need to know. I don't care what the fans say. That's all you need to know about what's going to happen moving forward um, with this team is that they they got the Niners rattled out there to where they had to bring blitzers in the fourth quarter um, to, because they couldn't get to us with a four-man pass rush than they, like they normally can. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting, guys. This team is fun to watch. A lot of fun. That takes us to now. Before we get there, you just want to give a word to our sponsors. We'll be right back with you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so one more supposed we got to talk about because they are a big part of what we're, of what we're trying to do here. Your Blue Wire, for that matter, and that is Prize Picks. They are the largest independently owned defensive fantasy sports platform in North America. They are easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. 
And if it's, it's just because it's just shooting against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, like I do for fantasy football, it's just you and the numbers. You pick more than or less than two to six players on stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in. It's the most fun that I've seen our guys having, Steve and Johnny. They can win to 25% of their money, and all you do, again, is select two players. So testing their skills on this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn 10 bucks into 250 with just a few snaps. So here we go, guys. Here are some picks you can make for this weekend. I'm looking at the, the quarterbacks first. You ready, Tommy? Sure. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, let's go with... Um, hmm. But no, let's go receivers. Mark Andrews, 53 and a half receiving yards over under. What do you say? Who are they playing? They're playing the Colts. 53 yards over. Mike. What do you say? I'm staying over. They're staying over. I'm going over as well. I think that's actually probably an easier one. Here, but how about this one? Amari Cooper against Tennessee, 58 and a half receiving yards. Over. 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 Okay, quarterbacks. Let's see. Oh, here's a here's an interesting one because Deshaun Watson has been struggling. 232 and a half passing yards against Tennessee. Under. Under. Ooh. Okay. Tommy? Under. Under. Under, and I might have to start him too in a couple of leagues. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under as well. Unfortunately, <sighs> one of our old friends, Jared Goff, two sixty-seven point five at Atlanta, or sorry, home against home against Atlanta, home. What do you say? That one's tough, dude. I'm gonna go over. I'm on team. Oman Ross St. Brown hurt, but Atlanta gave three touchdown passes to Jordan Love last weekend. So that is a tough one. I am going to roll with Goff, though, on this at home. Uh, and I think that's going to be a tight one. I think he's going to be throwing a lot. So I'll go ahead and go with the over. That's what we're talking about. It's all you got to do. It's all you got to pick. In the end, do you make it or not? Players, you know, always make their difference in these games. And for this, it's just one player, one player, one player, and you make your money. Go to pricepeaks.com forward slash Rams Talk. Use your code Rams Talk, all capitals, for a first deposit match up to $100. One more time, if you want to do this, go to pricepeaks.com forward slash Rams Talk. Use the code Rams Talk for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks. Your daily fantasy sports made easy. And trust me, it is. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so Bengals on Monday night. We should have done some overrunner on that. But there's still the jury's still out. Is Joe Burrow going to play? A word this morning was from at least from Jamar Smith, Jamar Chase, his leading wide receiver, that he should not play. It's Jamar Chase's own opinion, don't play. It does look like he's trending upward. Is that, is that a difference maker for you guys? I mean, it should be, but look at Monday night. How are you feeling? Go ahead, Mike. Oh, well, my, myself is simply this. Uh, it don't matter if he plays or not, because 
a wounded duck is not going to do too much of anything. I mean, you can try to fool people and, and hey, man, I'm tougher than that. But when, when you have those ankle issues, like it seems like he has or Achilles or whatever it is, and you become immobile, yeah, it, you're, you're just going to be a sitting duck. You're going to try to get the ball out quicker. Uh, you can't really get back to your drops as quick. And then as soon as you get tackled, it's going to probably flare up again. So my position is whether he plays or not, if he plays, he's not going to make that much difference just because he's not really going to be able to move normally. And if he doesn't play, you know, the word is, you know, the backup quarterbacks, they didn't, they didn't really take it serious when their other one left in free agency. So now you got a guy who's probably not even a quarter of what needs to be in a backup role. And so I'm I'm over on the Rams on Monday night for sure. So you think they're going to take this in Cincinnati? Oh, for sure. For sure? Mm. Tommy, how are you feeling? If Joe Burrow doesn't play, we're getting a W. I'm sorry. The way we looked against the 49ers uh, last week, we're not losing to that backup quarterback. That guy was... Uh, Brian was actually telling me about him because I didn't really know his background. Apparently, he's the quarterback that was at Washington before Michael Penix Jr. was a starter. And Brian's uh, wife went to um, University of Washington. So they watch a lot of those games. And he said he has a noodle arm. He's not very good. So um, if he starts, yeah, we're going to we're going to feed on those guys. Um, if if Burrow starts, he's not 100 percent. So he's one false move away from going out of the game. Um, a calf injury, quarterback that's pretty, you know, pretty. He's pretty mobile. Um, this is gonna be a problem. And if he has to stand back there and throw the ball and not be able to move around and navigate the pocket laterally, um, it's gonna be a problem. And he already knows what it's like to play against Aaron Donald. It's not fun. And he was healthy when he played against him that game. So I. I like the Rams either way in this game. All right. So let's look at the matchups here. And by the way, I, I like them too. If, if Burrow's out, and, and again, I'm in Ohio, and I've seen because of the way television works, unfortunately, I've had to watch two of these games because I don't really want to watch the things at all. They don't look good at all. They look completely off. And a lot of it is not just Burrow. Like, we're talking about, is Burrow the problem? Well, no. The offensive line is still a mess for the Bengals. And they haven't quite got the running game going yet. They have, and again, Zach Taylor being the protege of Jared Goff is also kind of obvious because he has the same kind of problem where he tends to zero in on the passing game and forget the running game from time to time. That's going to be problematic. The Rams, if you're giving the Rams the opportunity to just key on you in the same way and you're not really producing the way you should, then you bring Jake Browning in. I remember Jake Browning. He didn't, I, don't, I wouldn't call him a noodle arm, but he, is, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a rocket. He doesn't have a rocket. So. Oh, and by the way, right now they don't have they don't have a third quarterback. If Browning's out, who's our third quarterback? I know they were talking about bringing in Trevor Simeon, but no one's scared of Trevor Simeon. Yeah, a lot of teams are not carrying three quarterbacks, even though they have that new exception, right? It's kind of weird. Yeah, you would think you'd you'd want to have three quarterbacks on your roster, but they don't. They don't. Not so. smart. Not smart for any team right now, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I guess I guess we'll see. 
how things roll. But in the end, I'm looking at this matchup and I'm thinking, what are three key things that the Rams have to do to win? And I think, two, I think you got to rattle whoever's behind, under center early. So we need a pass rush. And I got to ask you guys about that. How you feel about the pass rush thus far? Well, the rookie's looking good. Byron um, Young, he's looking good. I picked him for a reason, and so did they. He is fast. I mean, he's a pass rusher that runs a 4-3. Enough said, yeah. right? <laughs> when he came free on that play against Purdy and knocked him in the dirt, it was unreal to see that get off. Mike? No, I agree. I, I'm I'm liking the pass rush. I'm I'm actually liking the overall Ram team. They are seem to be not seem to be, but they are definitely playing, in my humble opinion, more as a team, as a unit. So I think the the additions to some of these young guys and different things. Uh, obviously, Aaron Donald not talking that retirement stuff, so his focus seems to be back where you know and he seems like he's playing like okay i got some guys who want to do like me and go get the quarterback so i i just see a better team out there this year so that's why i'm i'm in agreement with uh you and tommy about they're going to be a lot better than i anticipated for sure after this offseason all right so then we look at another concern the rams offensive line what do they need to do offensively here to ensure that they continue what they do? I think the, I think the formula for the Rams right now is first game, 39 minutes of, of, of time possession. The Niners game, 33 minutes of time possession. It's clear they want to maintain control of the football. And I, I'm all there for that. The running game, though, hasn't quite gotten off. The, gotten off, And I, I only put some of it itself on the running backs situation. What about the offensive line? I'm not seeing a whole lot of push up there. Does this change in, against the Bengals? Mike? Absolutely. I think the, the running back situation with the departure of a certain person named Cam Akers, sometimes you just got to get that negativity off your team and out the room. And now that you kind of can key in, it looks like it's going to be uh, Tyron Williams. Uh, the line now kind of knows how to block for him or he knows how to run behind those guys. Uh, and I just see that getting a little bit better uh, each week. But I agree they got to get a little bit more out the running game. But it looks like they're trying to do that along with Stafford is looking like a, a new dude as well. So you put all those things together, get negativity away. We got positivity. We got stability. We know who's going to be back here. Uh, I think that's all pluses for especially Monday night and the uh, rest of the season. Tommy? Um, Mistake-free football. I know this team is young, but when they weren't making mistakes last week, we were right in the game with the 49ers the whole time. In, in the second half, when we started making mistakes, wide receiver, both of those interceptions were not Stafford's fault. Van Jefferson rounded his route instead of cut it like he should have. I get he might be frustrated because he's not getting the targets. He, he had five targets in week one and four targets in week two. Cry about it. Get open. Like It doesn't matter if you're not getting the looks. Don't get in your feelings about it. This is a team game. It's not about 
any one player. It's about winning. And if you win, who cares how many touches you get or how many catches you get or or whatever the case may be. Um, and then uh, Kyron Williams just was too excited and he tried to get upfield before he secured the ball and it popped out of his hands. And that was another interception. Um, he's been playing great. I picked um, last week. Derek asked me who, what two players you think are going to make the difference, and I, I picked the little guys. And boy, did they show out! Kyron Williams and Tutu Atwell. Um, they didn't have an answer for those guys. They really didn't. And uh, it was fun to watch. This team just needs to keep the penalties down, keep the mistakes down, and keep plugging away. They could have won that game, so if they play mistake-free football, this can get ugly for Cincinnati real quick. Now, we're talking about a roster that's the won the AFC North last year, went through Super Bowl year four, and it almost is like, well, hey, you're expecting this young and up-and-coming team just to, to smash them. That's how it feels to me. There's still a lot of talent in this Bengals team. Dude, they're good. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that nobody – it's only week three. Maybe by week eight or week nine – Pete, you know, we're going to have to make some adjustments. But right now, no NFL team has seen this Rams team on the field except for the two people that we played in the first two games. They've never really matched up against this roster or this game plan. And that's why the, you know, the first two weeks, our division rivals were like, who are these guys? They were shocked. Seattle and the Niners thought that they were getting easy dubs. I guarantee it. They were like, oh. The Rams are back to being the same old sorry Rams. And boy, did they get a rude awakening. Um, so I think that teams are just not, they're not ready for it yet. We got to take advantage of it early. It would have been nice to uh, finish them out last week and possibly go 3-0. and What a shocker, considering I picked them to only win four games this year. Same here, uh, man. They fo- they filled me. They fooled me too. It is what it is. I'm. It's a win-win, right? Well, I mean, I'm happy they're winning. I mean, happy to be wrong. Most of the moments you're happy to be wrong. That's what I'm saying. I'm happy to be wrong. You know, and some of the fans on Twitter are like, "You didn't have any faith." I'm all, dude. I don't live my life by <laughs> by that motto. That's just not who I am. I deal in facts and and in being a realist. That's just who I've always kind of been. You know, and especially being older now, when I was, you know, 20, I was like that. But I'm 45 now. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to prepare myself for this team to stink this year. And if they prove me wrong, that's great. I'm going to enjoy it. But that's just how I see things. I'm not being trying to be a pessimist. I'm just being a realist. You can't live sports simply by faith. You're going to be constantly disappointed. I mean, that's just the nature of it. You know, only one team wins the championship every year. And so when you're looking at, you know, where this team has been, where the roster has been, where it went, if you just look at the roster on paper from where it was a year ago, two years ago, you're, you're, there is a significant talent drop as a, as we, as, as the debate's been, is it a rebuild? I still say it is, but it's a competitive rebuild. Obviously you're, you're preparing for next year where $75 million of dead cap money comes off your, comes off. The Rams are doing this with $75 million in dead cap. It's been impressive, right? That's pretty impressive. That's almost as impressive as the Rams winning the Super Bowl with like $45 million in dead cap. Also impressive. Also impressive. We, we get a lot of criticism towards the Rams for some of the personnel decisions they made. 
and they're warranted. But in the same token, they've made decisions and won certain bowls and dust up. They just, you learn your lessons and you move on. Mike, you've been quiet here with your comments on this. No, no, I'm just, you know, listening to you guys. I mean, you guys are, you know, making valid points. So no need for me to just be jumping all on top of things. But I would just say, remember, guys, a lot of this game is played with people who are called human beings. So a year ago, you don't have uh, your quarterback getting a gazillion dollars. You, you don't have Jamar Chase with some of the unfortunate, you know, baby mama drama off the field and things like that. And always you can't for for forsake or or foretell how injuries start playing out. And so you start putting all these things together, you know, unfortunately, human nature, man, they're going to give that guy all that money, man, whatever. You know, I'm not getting enough rocks, man, you know, whatever. Forget them, forget that. So how can you keep a team together? Even if you've made the run and been in the Super Bowl, it's hard to repeat. It is the National Football League. Every year, I always say any team can beat any team, no matter how you say, oh, man, they're a 40-point underdog, and then they lose. Uh, So the thing is, I just always look at this uh, human nature. How are people gelling? How are things going? You know, you still got your running back, seem to be getting in trouble off the field. And so all these things play into uh come into play and then we gotta look at i mean it's still somewhat cincinnati you know what i mean so i don't know that they've had a dominant organization at any time so are they just going back to the old old school cincinnati that didn't really didn't win you know before until what was it boomer size i mean there's that 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 roster is still loaded i don't see them Going back to those days as much as they're, you know, get them the right time. I think they'll eventually right the ship, especially if Joe Burrow, you know, gets gets healthy. The, the question is, how long will it take for him to get healthy? Yeah, these soft tissue injuries are <clears throat> are concerning. And I think that I know there's a lot of content creators out there, especially on Rams Twitter, that love to pull data. If any of you out there want to pull some interesting data that's going to catch a lot of people's eyes, do some historical research on soft tissue injuries over the last 50 years. Because I'm telling you, I've never seen this many hamstrings and it's getting worse. Like, bro, you guys are young. How are you pulling your hamstrings in your 20s? What are you doing wrong? You know, what are you doing wrong? There's something that they're doing wrong. I think these guys are lifting too much damn weights. They all look like bodybuilders out there. Their their ligaments are too tight. They're near all of it. Everything that holds your bones together are, are too tight now. Get off the weights. Go do some Pilates and yoga. Stretch those things out, man. Make yourself longer. You're make, they're making everything shorter. I, that's just an observation. I'm not saying it's true. But that's kind of a theory, you know. Well, you're hitting on some great points, uh, Big Tom, because I look at just the overwork syndrome. You know, everybody wants to have a personal trainer and everybody wants to post videos. Look at me doing my drills. Look at me doing this and look at doing that. Back in the day, guys took the off season. They were off season. 
you know, they went and they vacationed, they worked other jobs, did other things. Now this all year round emphasis on playing a sport started in high school. You got to start adding up all those extra reps that these guys are doing over time. And so I agree, man, all these injuries in general, I, I just attribute it to really just overuse because you look at uh, what's his name? Is it a tiny the pitcher? Yeah, man, you guys think this dude can do all this stuff. Yeah, your body's not made to be doing that at the pro level. You can do that in high school and junior high. Man, you can't be doing that. And so now the dude is injured. Oh, well, he's just going to hit next year. So, yeah, I I think that's what it is, just overwork across the board. And, yeah, man, your ligaments and legs and everything else just can't take it. Yeah, you got Diggs tearing his ACL in practice this week. Like, guys, again, you're, make, yes. you're making millions of dollars. What are you doing in practice that's allowing you to tear your ACL? Why are you going that hard in practice? You're a superstar corner. You got a huge contract. Why are you going so hard in practice? You know you're good. Like, preservation. Whatever happened injury, to preservation? Man. No, it's not. If you're running 110% in practice and you tear your ACL, it's on you, dude. You need to protect yourself. Your best ability is your availability. And if you're not available to play in the games that count, what does it matter? I see I, Jalen Ramsey is not going to play football this season because he wanted to be a show-off in practice against Tyreek Hill. Good job, dummy. That's my point. Like, do you <laughs> like playing the game? I mean, I'm sure they're stoked. They're still making millions of dollars on the couch. Right, right. They don't right. care. But if you care about this game enough to where you don't, I never wanted to miss a game no matter what level I played at. Never. I remember my coaches in practice saying, Tommy, you need to pick it up. You need to do this. And I was like, no, I don't. I need to be ready for Friday. Relax. If I tear something or get injured and can't play and, and, we, and, we, and I'm not out there with my teammates, how good am I? I used to argue with my coaches all the time. Relax. You'll see, you'll see me flip the switch on game day. Like Sean Merriman used to say, flip the switch. That's what I used to do. Relax. Don't worry about me. I'm good. Worry about everybody else. You know, but in practice, no, 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 no. I ain't going hundred percent. Get out of here, dude. I know how I know what I'm capable of and I'll show you on game day. Chill, dude. Well, it was interesting because, you know, Diggs, that goes back to camp. You know, he's going to make sure he, he lets everyone know I'm the best dude out here. Uh, but like Derek said, I don't, I, you know, I saw the injury. I didn't know. I mean, how did it happen? Was it in seven on seven team or was he backpedaling? And I just think back to when I tore mine, dude, and all it did was just in a freak show. My injury was a freak show and, and freak shows do happen. I mean, you don't know what exactly happened, but I would agree that there is something wrong with the idea that, that, um, we're seeing this kind of really in the last five years, a sheer number of ACL tears, meniscus tears. Now, a rising injury, we're seeing more and more now is the Achilles. We're seeing more of that now. And, you know, we, we see guys on, on Twitter or, or X, we want to call it, blaming Turf. And I'm sure Turf plays a role in that. But Turf, oh, don't I mean, get me started. But worse Turf was around. I mean, look look back to the old days of AstroTurf. Now, that was horrifying, okay? I mean, the Turf you have now is not the same as what you had back then. You weren't getting that level of injury back then, at least not on that. But then I also think about one more thing with this is that you know, I, I think of Herschel Walker comes to mind. And I remember when Herschel Walker's playing, and, and I'm, most people who are listening probably don't remember him playing, but he didn't spend a whole lot of time in the weight room as much as he spent a lot of time doing things. He did, did, did yoga and ballet, man, to increase flexibility. Like we, you were talking about, Tommy. 
And the dude was MMA fighting in his 50s. Like, that was what Herschel Walker was doing. So yep. there's something to say about the other sides of fitness besides it in the weight room. Now, uh, my suspicion is these guys are in the weight room because they're trying to prepare their body for the physical nature of the game um, much more now. Being able to take Dude. a hit, being able to deliver a hit. But in the same token, if you can't bend, when the time comes that you, you need to bend and you can't, you're in trouble. Yeah, you. I mean, you've seen the videos online, like Nick Chubb, like squatting with like eight plates on each side. Really, dude? Do you really right, need to be right. doing that? That's so right. stupid. Right. Like you're right. when you're sixty and you're in a wheelchair. I'm gonna say, I told you so, dummy. Like, stop being a show off. Nobody cares how strong you are, dude. Like, your job is to be on the field. And what happened to him the other night was not his fault. That was Mika hitting him low. That hit was unnecessary. As a former safety, it pissed me off. What are you doing hitting that guy like that? You're, ugh, what a piece of trash that was. I'm sorry, but I would never hit a player below the waist. I just wouldn't do it. I never did it, and I never will. I'm going to hit you square in your chest. Uh, for I'm not going to take you way, out of the game like that. For the record, I, I want to give a shout to my students at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Coming off that game on Monday night, well, you know, in the Catholic school, one of the things we need to do, we, we do every every day before class or sometime during class. We try and do it before class, when classes start. It's traditional you pray before class starts. And my students were actually requesting that we pray for Nick Chubb. That's so um, cool, man. I, I so love that cool. guy. As a player and a person, yeah. more importantly. And I just and felt so bad for him. Shout me a shout out to them too, by the way, because that that you know they, they were very cognizant of you know the impact he's had in the community and in the area around here and and that they understood that was actually really cool on their part. But, you know, again, that that was a brutal injury. Second time he's had a brutal injury like that. And I'm glad that you noted that that what you were using, because you were using what he was doing as an example, but you weren't putting the blame on him for the actual injury. No, you know, that was on the but, safety. I'm sorry, but I, I just, as a, I used to be a headhunter, but I would never, like, I never hit no one in their head. Um, I always hit him in the torso, especially I would aim for the shoulders, you know, just because it's, it's a dangerous game and you could really hurt somebody. And I was always afraid being a safety. That was a hard hitter that I was going to put someone in an ambulance, you know? And so I did my best even back then when I played way before all this, you know, the way they teach youth football and how to tackle and hit. Now I was doing that out there just because I have common courtesy. I'm, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I'm not going to go out and try to maim somebody, dude. The argument I would, I would also, you know, again, just in conversation with our kids this week was, was proper tackling. That's not proper actual tackling. You know, we weren't taught to tackle like this. When I, when I coached football, I didn't teach my kids to coach, you know, to, to, to tackle like that. And Mike, I know for, for crying I know you didn't coach in that way either. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, especially when, uh, and I was in a game when I saw Keith Byers. You know, he's catching a ball out the backfield in the corner. He's not going to see him, and he just came low and just took his knee out. Now, I've hit a guy who's bigger than me, Ben Coates. Hey, Ben, I got to chop you down here. But I'm not coming through you from a side angle. I'm coming through you front way so you can see, hey, man, I got to get lower than you right now. I'm going to tack you down here. But trying to go at a guy's knee uh and stuff like that, especially when he's getting tackled and stood up. I don't know why you would come in when a guy's is stood up and you come in low. 
Yeah, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna do that. If I, especially if you, you know, two of your teammates got him in there, you, you could see him going down. Stay out of it. You know, it's not necessary. It's unnecessary. All right, so it is time for us to get out of here. Here we go. Last, last checks. Actually, you know what? We gotta get one more commercial break in, and then we're out. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. I know I, I'm a little late on that, guys and gals, but the conversation was so flipping good, we had to finish it out. Tommy, make it official. Give us a score for Monday night. Oh, 27-17 Rams. Mike. 28-13 Rams. I'm similar. I'm going Rams 20-10. I think a ball control offense. I'm not I'm not thinking that they're going to try and keep it slow, easy, and hit the crowd out early. 20-10. We, we all have Rams tonight. All that said, follow us on Twitter at Rams Talk. Or, sorry, Talk Rams. Follow Mike at 1Duke23. Follow Tom at Ram Tommy in LA. And you can follow me at DC Paula. We'll be back Monday night. Bunny Hands will be doing the post game. We'll see you later. Have a great one. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.